Hi, I'm your host, Austin Wright, and welcome to the podcast, Upon the Rock. All right, and welcome back to Upon the Rock. Um, Today I want to talk about something that's very important when it comes to the spiritual life, and that is having vulnerability with the Lord. Um, So, we all have wounds. Due to living within a fallen world, it is impossible to go through life and not receive wounds from sin. Even if you've had a very blessed life, the effects of sin upon the world has given you some kind of wound, um, either by others' transgressions, uh, you know, against you, or yeah, or by your very own failings. Uh, these wounds from sin over time can distort our view of ourselves, and we inevitably question the image of God within our very design. The deeper we delve into the murky and foul waters of our wounds, the more we question and doubt our very worth. This questioning of our worth is what the enemy wants from us. In hating God, he hates all that bear his image and likeness. The enemy's desire is for all to cut themselves off from the graces of the Lord by their own wills and to entertain his temptations, which are to lead us to despair, self-hatred, and doubting the presence of the Imago Dei, the image of God within our essence. One notion that Satan will tempt us to adopt within our hearts is the blaming of God for our suffering wounds. Uh, He tries to use God's perfection against us, actually. He'll remind us that God is omnipotent and omniscient, and that despite all of this and all of these things, the, the enemy will tell us the Lord actively allowed or even made us suffer and made us acquire that wound from sin. And he does this in an attempt to turn us against the Lord. In a sense, the enemy is coaxing us to join him in his unbridled hatred of the Creator. Um, The Catechism of the Catholic Church on this very matter states, Illness and suffering have always been among the gravest problems confronted in human life. In illness, man experiences his powerlessness, his limitations, and his finitude. Every illness can make us glimpse death. Illness can lead us to anguish, self-absorption, sometimes even despair, and revolt against God. It can also make a person more mature, helping him discern his life what is not essential, so he can turn toward that which is. Very often, illness provokes a search for God and a return to him. The man of the Old Testament lives his sickness in the presence of God. It is before God that he laments his illness, and is of God, master of life and death, that he implores healing. Illness becomes a way to conversion. God's forgiveness initiates the healing. It is the experience of Israel that illness is mysteriously linked to sin and evil, and that faithfulness to God, according to his law, restores life. For I am the Lord, your healer. The prophet intuits that suffering can also have a redemptive meaning for the sins of others. Finally, Isaiah announces that God will usher in a time for Zion when he will pardon every offense and heal every illness. Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 1500-1502. Um, a really good book that I wrote, that I read, um, that Tan Books sent to me a good bit ago. Um, I, through a series of events, uh, we received, Upon the Rock received some books from, from Tan to read and review and everything like that. Um, and one of them they sent us was a book called Catholic Stories of Faith and Hope, How God Brings Good Out of Suffering by Stephen R. Himmler. 
um and himmler uh, i apologize for <laughs> pronouncing that name wrong that's how it that's how it looks i'm just pronouncing how it looks um himmler uh, and responding to the section of the catechism in his book um he says it is important to realize that god does not directly cause our suffering or make us suffer just so we will love him true love cannot be forced in that way rather god allows us to suffer so we will recognize our dependence upon him and choose to grow closer to him we all need to realize that we are absolutely dependent upon god whether things are going well or going poorly however for those who do not yet have that realization suffering can become a path to an awareness of who is really in control so one may justifiably ask how one is to face these wounds of sin and the answer is rather than getting vulnerable with the enemy we need to get vulnerable with our lord and savior jesus christ throughout my life i have come across many individuals who have suffered great wounds by sins committed against them in their life uh, these traumas affect mentalities in many ways that we often don't even realize it affects our subconscious on just a very deep level um, it affects how we gauge our own worth not just in the eyes of others but even ultimately in the eyes of god we can see ourselves as battered, broken, unworthy, or irredeemable. We can, in turn, avoid vulnerability with others and with God. We do this in a way to protect ourselves, but in the end, we end up making ourselves an island and easy picking for the adversary. By not being vulnerable with the Lord and being vulnerable with others within a wholesome sense, we become vulnerable with the enemy. You're going to be vulnerable one way or another. It's either with God or with the adversary. You choose who you're being vulnerable with. Because there is no... It's, there's not a, a way to not be vulnerable. You're being vulnerable with either or. So what the enemy wants you to forget whenever you are in spiritual combat with him is that our Lord also has wounds. He wants you to forget that. In trying to use God's perfection against us to try to coax us to direct our anger at the Lord, he wishes to distract our gaze from his life and passion. And this is something to def definitely reflect on during this time of Lent as we get closer to um, Holy Week, uh, which is, is that next week. Um, either way, it's coming up very soon. <laughs> it's coming up very soon. Um, and oftentimes, we can quite possibly forget the intense fact that our God indeed experience suffering through the sun jesus wept and felt agony he felt pain and immense suffering he felt the full weight of the wounds from sin he shared in our pains from the sins committed against us during his passion and here's something to really think about um because sin can cause some very very deep wounds there are some dastardly sins that can be committed um, and one thing to think about is when you suffered that trauma which is so heavy on your heart Christ was there he can see it from the cross a profound reality is that in that moment that you were hurt the absolute most Christ is there and on top of that he's dying for it he is suffering immense and unimaginable pain for the sake of your freedom from that wound. He is right there beside you, suffering along with you. In this fallen world, we, we may very well often feel alone. And 
you know, talking about this subject, I definitely not perfect in that sense. Um, but we never truly are alone. Where and when there is suffering, Christ is present on the cross. For it is during his passion that he willingly received for our sake that he observes and takes on all the wounds and scars of sin. All of your personal sins and every single sin that has ever been committed against you is right there on the cross. There's, so there's another profound thing. When you have suffered that sin, you suffered from that sin of another person, not only is he suffering for your wound that you received, but he's also offering up for that person who sinned against you. Um, when struggling my ways into the deeper parts of the spiritual life and beginning my vulnerability in my relationship with the Lord, I was advised to begin with focusing on a crucifix. Um, to set a timer for a measly 10 minutes and then to do nothing else but stare directly at our Lord in the tree, avoiding any utterance of words. At first, it was quite intimidating to focus on something so intently while also being in absolute and complete silence, but after doing it multiple times, my heart began opening up to him. Um, it is when we begin to open our hearts to Jesus that healing can begin. It is this vulnerability with the Lord which is so crucial to our life in Christ. When we open up to him and can, and can confess our weakness, share our burdens with him, and open the door to him to enter into our wounds is when we can receive that which he wishes to give us through his passion himself. So you need to open the floodgates of your heart in pain while within his presence. Be a complete open book, despite the fact that he is omniscient. He knows everything. He already He's already there beside you, piercing through time itself, present to you on the cross. Every single ounce of pain you feel from sin is felt both now and on the cross. He is ever present in all moments of pain and suffering, not even just at the absolute moment that you re initially received the wound, but every time you feel the emotional repercussions from that wound, he's there. He already knows every wound and every burden. And when we reach this point that we can open up to him in prayer about them, it is us saying in essence, I wish for you to be within me, to be within this very part of me. Do with it as you will by your own merits. And what he wills for us is peace. That's what he suffered his passion for, your peace. He prayed for you in the agony. His agony in the garden, he was, he was praying for you. When he was, was having those great drops of blood from his agony in the garden, he was just, just contemplating what was before him. He was thinking of you. On the cross, he saw you and felt for you and felt the pain alongside you. He has already paid the price for your peace. All we are to do is open up ourselves to the wealth of the merits of his passion through vulnerability and openness with him. The more we are open, the deeper we go with the Lord and the more graces of healing and peace there is to be had. Healing always begins top-down. First, it begins in the supernatural way. Lastly, the healing becomes manifest within the emotions. We should not often gauge our healing just based upon how we feel necessarily, 
for the emotions, seeing as they are the lowest form of how God connects with us, are usually always the last to conform to the work done within our souls by the Lord. And seeing how emotions are ever-changing, they can't fully be trusted to be the judge of our progress towards healing within the Lord's heart at all points. It all begins with turning our spirits over to the Lord, and over time, through openness and deepening our relationship and love of the Lord, our emotions will follow suit. Ultimately, full healing can't truly be obtained uh, in this life. And at first when I learned that, at least when it came to the realization of that fact, at first I was disheartened. Um, I was quite upset, you know, thinking of the fact that, you know, we won't experience fullness of healing on this side of eternity. But the fruits of that final healing are abundant if we continue and are steadfast in our friendship with the Lord. We may not (laughs) receive the fullness of healing on the side, because how can we? We're in an imperfect world. How can an imperfect world? How can we have perfect healing in an imperfect world? Um, You know, we aren't, you know, all that, all that, um, Special, you know, we're, 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 we aren't immaculately conceived and everything like that. And but e- even so, even if you are immaculately conceived, you can still feel sorrow. I mean, look to, you know, how there's the devotion to Our Lady, and her seven sorrows. So even being immaculately conceived, she wasn't free from the effects of sin upon the world. Like she was still able to. to witness them. I mean, it, when, when it comes to, to the sorrows of Our Lady, getting to see her baby boy go through the passion, that that's pain. That's a suffering that she did seeing her baby, her son, who she birthed and who she nursed and and carried and, and saw grow. Um, kind of a tangent, but it's important to realize that on this side of eternity, you're not going to feel the, you're not going to experience the fullness of healing in the fullness of liberation from wounds and suffering and sin. Um, Stephen Himmler, um, in the aforementioned book, he articulates, um, when a person who is suffering maintains hope in God and belief that there will be no more suffering when this life is over, but only happiness for those who die in friendship with God, this person's suffering becomes a powerful witness of faith and may lead to the conversion of others. So in all these things, we must persevere, but must always remember that with every step we are not alone. Where there is pain, there is the Lord. Where there is healing, there is the Lord. And where there is redemption, there is the Lord. With every step, he is there now and forever. So close, I um, kind of just want to end it with uh, pointing to one of my favorite psalms, and it's Psalms 136. It goes, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the God of gods, for his steadfast love endures forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, 
for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who by understanding made the heavens, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who spread out the earth upon the waters, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his steadfast love endures forever. The sun to rule over the day, for his steadfast love endures forever. The moon and stars to rule over the night, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who smote the firstborn of Egypt, for his steadfast love endures forever, and brought Israel out from among them, for his steadfast love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who divided the Red Sea in sunder, for his steadfast love endures forever, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his steadfast love endures forever. But overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who led his people through the wilderness, for his steadfast love endures forever. To him who smote great kings, for his steadfast love endures forever, and slew famous kings, for his steadfast love endures forever. Sihon, king of Amorites, for his steadfast love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his steadfast love endures forever. And gave their land as a heritage, for his steadfast love endures forever. A heritage to Israel, his servant, for his steadfast love endures forever. It is he who remembered us in our low estate, for his steadfast love endures forever. And rescued us from our foes, for his steadfast love endures forever. He who gives food to all flesh, for his steadfast love endures forever. O oh, give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. If you like this episode, or the podcast in general, please share and leave a review. If you'd like to support Upon the Rock, please consider following us on Patreon. Also, don't forget to go to upontherockblog.com to keep up on all the content we have to offer with much more on the way. Upon the Rock would like to thank all of our supporters, and we ask you to continue to pray for us. Thank you.